Hello again, and welcome to the Gospel Boldly podcast, where we confess with St. John that uh, these things are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. We are your hosts, I'm Thomas. And I am Pastor Eric Brown, and we are glad to have you with us again. There you have it. Now, I was momentarily distracted both by the fact that my son was babbling on my left here and the fact that I have not flipped open to that particular passage of John. So I'm going off memory, but I think I have it down. You know what? Maybe, maybe. Ooh, ooh. we could have you sing it. I think my son wants to sing it. Because sometimes if you sing stuff, it it sticks in your memory better, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, that's true. Hey, hey. What? It? So I have a studio audience this time around that may or may not remain, depending upon how disruptive my son continues to be. Uh, we are pe- picking back up, and honey, I think that's it. Picking back up in a uh, John chapter four, the story of the Samaritan woman. There's that's. I could edit that out in post-production, but I think our, our listeners will find it adorable. <laughs> now, now, see, as as any pastor can tell you where my kids have been to church, that's what the sermon is like. I have the noisiest children in the world. So this is life. But we're gonna we're gonna dive back into verse seven. If you will recall from the last time, uh Jesus and his disciples are leaving the area around Jerusalem. They're headed back up towards uh Galilee and to do so they must pass through Samaria. And while the disciples go into town to get food, Jesus stops off at a well and a Samaritan woman comes forward. Dun 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 All right, there's the setup. All right. So if you, how about how about you get us rolling again and do a seven through through nine? Okay. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, "Give me a drink," for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, "How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans." Now this is really we we don't get how how shocking this would have been culturally speaking, because there are a couple of strikes against each other. One, generally guys and gals didn't tend to mix. Mm-hmm. You didn't do that. Two, Jews and Samaritans didn't tend to mix unless you absolutely had to. So like, all right, disciples, you're lower on the totem pole. You get to buy the bread. You get to be the you get to do the mixing. And I get to stay aside. So be it. And then three. Jesus is a teacher, a man of authority, and and this is a woman who is um, coming to get water at the sixth hour, which is not the standard time for most people to get water, because note, she's the only person coming to the well. She's a a gal of, we will say, less than stellar repute. Fair enough. Let the hearer understand. So... And anyway, when Jesus says, hey, can you get me a drink? She's like, what are you doing? This isn't the way it's done. Whoa, you shouldn't even be talking to me. So, any thoughts there? Not yet. All right. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. All right. Now. Here is something neat that'll set up for for later. Jesus, Jesus does first 
come back with, you know, if you really knew what was going on, you'd be flipping out with joy now. And you'd be asking me to give me, or asking me to give you living water. Now, Thomas, what is living water? Well, in the Didache, it seems like it's used that phrase to refer to flowing water. Right. Like uh, moving, on the one like hand, a river living, or something. living water is the, the Hebraic way of referring to flowing water. We, we'd say flowing water in English. Why do they call it living? Because it's moving. It has movement as opposed to a pond that is still or a well that, well, I mean, it might be flowing underneath it, but you can't see it because it's like all down underground or what have you. Right. So, so basically, it's almost like, yeah, if, if you knew who you were talking to, you'd ask me because I could give you a river, which, again, is a, a really bizarre and cryptic answer. Mm -hmm. Now, what else do you think of when you hear the word living water, Thomas? Water of life in my you know, Christian understanding and context. Not what she would have gotten necessarily, but I'm reading this through. Well, and, and this is the things that, that Jesus is kind of playing off of when we talk about um, baptism and, and life and forgiveness. I mean, this is, this is all that, that renewal of, of everything good type language, gospelly, goodness, awesome. Yeah. So yeah, if you knew who I was, you, you'd be asking for redemption and salvation and all that other good stuff. Woo. And so this is going to be kind of a, a thing that Jesus does with this gal through this whole conversation. He, he's kind of talking about one thing, heavenly things, spiritual things, and she keeps running around on the earthly level. Mm -hmm. So kind of like what was going on with Nicodemus and Jesus last time. Oddly so. But, but the difference is, whereas Nicodemus comes with a bit of pride and uh, I'm hoity-toity, I should... You, you should be happy I'm talking to Jesus. I'm a ruler of the Jews, a very important man. This gal's just dumbfounded that Jesus is even messing with her at all. So it kind of forms a, an interesting contrast. No kidding. Okay. All right. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock. Now, no, note that she's asking this, you don't have anything to draw with. Where are you going to get down to living water? Okay, so, so she doesn't quite get it at first. But then she asked the question, are you greater than our father Jacob? Now, know what that question asserts. Who is our father? Our father is Jacob. We're, we're just as Jewish as you Jewish guys are. In fact, what well is this? This is the well that Jacob gave Joseph. And of the 12 sons, who was the best son? Yeah, Judah got your promise, blah, 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 but who was the good son? Joseph. Joseph is the one who gets the stories about him. He is the one who saves Egypt. Joseph is awesome. Jacob is awesome. This is our well. Are you better than what we got here? Little uppity Jewish person. <laughs> I mean, do you, do you hear how there's some kind of... <clears throat> It, it, it is a loaded question. It, it is, are you greater than, than Jacob? But there's also a little bit of, of there's some, it's a feisty question. Right. I, I mean, there, there is some, if you want to put it this way, Samaritan pride. I mean, look, we, we, we've got the goods just as much as y'all do, even though we don't have your happy, fancy-dancy temple. But, but we've got the, the, the goods on the patriarchs too. So harumph, are you, and are you better than them? Well, now, Thomas, quickly, what, what's the answer? Is, is Jesus greater than Jacob and Joseph? 
Yes. <laughs> In a word. <laughs> She's not expecting that. The The expectation is that any good pious Jew would say, well, no, I'm not. In fact, any good pious Samaritan would say, no, I'm not. Mm-hmm. But but so I mean she she's she's kind of coming back at Jesus here because okay. here you've got this strange Jewish guy, Jewish guy who's even talked to her, and then he starts kind of talking about living water. I mean, it's kind of a crackpot. So, all right, I'm going to get my licks in. This will be fun. <laughs> so, all right, Jesus said to her, "Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again." The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. All right. Now, do you see how that works? He, he, Jesus raises up the bar again. <laughs> well, you know, this, this well that, that Jacob gave to Joseph, Joseph had to draw water from it multiple times, over and over and over, just like you have to keep drawing water from it over and over and over. When I give someone the, the water that I give, it will make up what? A spring of water welling up to eternal life. So, yeah, yeah. You will have, uh, oh, e- even better than running water is a, a spring. Because by the time the river has gone downstream, it's had plenty of time to pick up this and that and junk and who knows. But if you find the source, mm-hmm. well, I mean, think about it. When you go buy your bottled water, does, does it say Ohio River water, or does it say such and such spring water? <laughs> spring water, of course. Yeah, I mean, that, that, and that. So I mean, it, it, it's racking the water up, ratcheting it up, and then also, you'll never have to drink again. Gal thinks this is awesome. Uh, read fifteen. <laughs> Hear her reaction. The woman said to him, "Sir, give me this water, so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water." Now, all right, okay, okay, this guy is strange, he's a little weird, but he's awesome. Possibly, possibly. (laughs) It's it's worth the flyer, because if he can give me water to where I don't have to come out here and draw water out of the heat in the middle of the day, where where I don't have to worry about everyone looking down on me for all this other junk, da da Okay, that would be worth it. I can put up with the crazy neighbor guy if he's going to give me these goods, right? This is a deal that's too good to pass up. So, so all right, let's do it. I, I'm game. I, I'm down with that. We, let's cut our deal. All, all right. right. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. This is really one of the funniest. Oh, I shouldn't say funny. Funniest. I find it highly amusing. Because if you're just watching, the conversation now has been a little bizarre. Jesus has been kind of like crack potty and, and, all right, well, we'll see what's going on. And then, yeah, go get your husband. Oh, wow. I'm single. I'm not married. Well, yeah, you've been with five dudes, and the one you're with now isn't your husband, but but that's the one I'm talking about. Go grab him. Imagine just how... You've almost got this banter going back and forth and and all this, and then also, boom! (laughs) Drop. That would go over like a ton of... Uh, 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 uh. Because if suddenly we're just having a normal conversation, chit-chat, and I, uh, 
I bring up every uh, vice that you've done in the last two years and say, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, <laughs> I don't know, how, how were those taxes? <laughs> Was that really a business deduction there? <laughs> What? What? Where? Where did that come from? Because this is really out of left field. They they'd been talking about water uh-huh. and, and wells and all that, and all of a sudden, he 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 dinks her on her 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 infidelity. Kind of comes out of the blue, doesn't it? Uh-huh. And so it, it's just one of these things where where Jesus, yeah, I know exactly who I'm dealing with here. Go 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 get your husband. Bring bring folks back out here. And then we get well here. Just any reactions to that so far? Um, that's something that today we would we would call inappropriate, out of bounds. Jesus, out of bounds. Why would you go there? <laughs> well, but why is he going there? To further his point, right? The point is, yes, I am actually greater than than Jacob. Where if you knew who was here, if you understood that you're dealing with your Creator and your redeemer, the one who's going to give you living water, who's going to cover your sin and take it away. So, yeah, currently right now, you're, you're, you're big. The, 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 the elephant in the room, as it comes to sin at the moment, is uh, you and this dude. So, so we're going to get this fixed up, but, but he's also involved in this, so, so go grab him. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, so. That'll be it. All right. And, any thoughts? None to this point. All right. Just read 19 and 20, the gal's response, which is fantastic. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is a place where people ought to worship. This is, this is beautiful. The gal is sharp as a tack. And I say this because... <clears throat> Jesus has just dropped a major law bomb on her. Yeah. And out of the blue. It's not as though, I I saw what you did that I I have. No, it's just, oh yeah, and by the way, boom. And she goes, ah, you're a prophet. And what does she do? From there, she shifts gears into, let's look at the history of the division between Samaritans and Jews. All right, here's what's happened for the last 800, 900, however long. You guys say we got to go down to Jerusalem. We want to do up here. What's up with that? Uh-huh. And so I mean, like, oh, well, oh, you're, you're, you're from the Middle East. Well, let's talk world peace. It's just <laughs> suddenly, and I don't know whether it is on her part a deflection because really, if you if it could be just let's not talk about me. Let's talk about the differences between our people. All right, this this is this uh, multi generation, multi century long grudge is much more comfortable than talking about what I've done with the five dudes in town and such. Right. So so it could be a dodge, but it could also be all right. What's up with that? So I mean, there there is some some. Again, some sauciness, some some sassy defiance. But yet there's also respectfulness. Whereas as Nicodemus wasn't sure what he's getting into and he wants to evaluate the answers, she's just doing honest, good, honest back and forth with Jesus. So mm-hmm. any any thoughts on on uh, her uh, her snappy comeback? None that you didn't just touch on, nope. 
This, this whole conversation is a series of really hard shifts. Yeah. I mean, the, the, this is this is like Olympic level judo or karate. I mean, it's just boom, 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 boom. Wait, why do they turn that way? Oh, why do they turn that way? Oh, okay. All right. So, all right. We'll carry on then. Okay. Let's see. Uh, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. You asked the wrong question. You're you're thinking in terms of the old style feuds. We're going to be doing something different here. It's hours coming when it's not going to be Jew or Samaritan or even Gentile, but rather all those who've been called by the Christ and belong to him. So, all right. All right. We'll pick that thought up on the other side of the break and be back shortly. And we're back to the Gospel Boldly podcast, where we're actually in the middle of, of John chapter 4. And I want to want to bring up a note again, with starting in verse 23. But the hour is coming, and it is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So, all right, what we're really getting here to, and this is kind of profound, mm-hmm. Jesus is pointing to what we participate in all the time. So, uh, Thomas, uh, where do you go to church? Trinity Lutheran in Norman, Oklahoma. Is that in Jerusalem or in the mountains of Samaria? What, what? Neither. It's about the furthest remote region you can possibly get from there, if any exists. <laughs> what? I know. Well, well, come on, those were the options given by the gal, right? We we think we're supposed to, we, and and we think we have to be up here in up in Samaria, and y'all think that you have to be down in Jerusalem, and so the option given where one of us is right, you got to be in one place or the other, right? Of course. And, and here, here you are in Trinity. I I was in Illinois today. Ah, oh, and and we have listeners from from who all these random places. That's what Jesus is pointing to. Mm-hmm. There was a time in the Old Testament when this is where the temple was. This is where the sacrifices will be done. Sorry, Samaritan gal. According to the Old Testament, y'all were wrong. And, and, and even as you ask that, you should be expecting the Jewish prophet to smack you down. But instead, he does something wonderful. He points to a great truth. No, no. That's being fulfilled. Because who is the temple? Jesus, and wherever Jesus is, that's where there will be worship. And note, they will worship the Father in what? Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. Hey, what does Jesus say later on here? I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the life. And worship in in spirit, Holy Spirit. So so we have Christ, the Word, the truth, and and spirit. Oh, 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 Comes full circle. Are, are we suddenly getting the whole, you know, service anywhere in the world begins in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. And hey, look, there's true worship. It, it, it's not tied to a specific location anymore. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when you think about this, Jesus is just dropping some mind-blowing stuff here. 
you, you thought that little section on this is your life was mind blowing. Well, <laughs> check this out. I, I'm here, and the way worship is going to happen is going to be radically changed because it's not going to be about location. It's going to be about you belong to me. You are my child. You are in Christ, and therefore, wherever you go, that is the place of worship. Which is a radical. Well, think about how 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 radically different that is. Because mm-hmm. the ancient world is pagan, and pagan pagan religion was all about location. True. You had this grove that belonged to this god. You had local deities. You, the idea of a, a worldwide deity or, or one whom you could properly worship anywhere, befuddling. Are, are we less of a Christian if we never make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem? No. Are, are you less of a, a Muslim if you don't make the Hajj, the pr- pilgrimage to Mecca? Oh my gosh, can you even call yourself a Muslim if you don't do that? Again, that that's one of the the major distinctions. I mean, okay, okay, we we can talk about the Holy Lands as a tour and such like that. Sure, but it's I, I mean it's neat, but it's not the essence of what our faith is. Right. You can go, you can go do a Lutherland tour, and say, yeah, I've been to Wittenberg, but what does that get you? Yay, I've been to Wittenberg and I got a, a, a souvenir t shirt and a beer stein that has Luther on it. Or Little bobblehead Luther is now gracing my desk. They have no drinking age in Germany. This is awesome. Let's go somewhere <laughs> again. So, what you ha- I just, it, it completely undoes what folks had expected with religion in the ancient world. The expectation would be that there's always a locatedness. And there is a locatedness to, to our worship. But that locatedness is wherever two or three are gathered in my name. Mm-hmm. And so, so, yes, when we are gathered by Christ around his word, around the sacraments, there God comes to be with us. And it doesn't have to be at one specific zip code. It, it's awesome. So... Yeah, this we, makes me we, think of that story of Naaman back in the Old Testament where he took the dirt right back so he could he could still be on Israelite dirt. Right, right. Yahweh's dirt, so to speak. Yeah. Instead of but you're saying he comes to us through the that, word well, and the well, hearing. Okay. Now now what chapter would you look up to find the story of Naaman for those who are interested? Oh my gosh. It's in first or second Samuel, I'm pretty sure. But Second Kings five. Oh, Second Kings, there you go. So so Naaman's a leader up of one of the is, is he Syrian? Yes. Uh I don't recall that part either. Damascus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's up from Damascus. And and he's the commander of the army and he has leprosy and, and his slave girl actually is Jewish. And he says, right. Well, we've got prophets down and they could they could take care of you. Go see Elisha. So he comes down and basically has a bunch of gifts for the king, and the king is freaking out. He's like, this is all just a pretense for war. They're going to go <laughs> kill us all. <laughs> and he comes up to Elisha, and Elisha says, all right, yeah, well, we'll heal your leprosy. Just go bathe seven times in the Jordan. And the, the guy's angry. He's like, what? That That's it? I, I thought he'd at least do like some hand-waving thing over the spot. <laughs> and, uh, this is, I'm just going to go home. And, and the folks are like, dude. <laughs> he he said, "Go dump it, jump in the water seven times, and you're healed, dude. Jump in the water seven times. This is a great thing." And 
all right, fine, I'll go jump. And he gets healed. And, and he freaks out about how great this is. He had even asked, aren't the rivers of Damascus better than this cruddy little Jordan River thing? Uh-huh. I could have washed in them. Like, oh, no, actually, this place is much better than Damascus. And I will take some of the soil back with me. All right, okay. Yep. But the key wasn't that it was the River Jordan. The key thing with that even was that it was the prophet who was speaking for the Lord. And guess what, lady at the well? I'm going to send my people out throughout the entire world, and they will speak my name in all places. So that'll be kind of cool. Excitement. All right. That makes sense. Anything else? No, good to go. All right. Now, note here with what comes up. The gal is sharp, and she's putting two and two together. So carry on. Okay. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. All right. Now, we, the, the, the ESV. Oh, ESV. Why did you? <laughs> Do tell. All right. So the, the gal goes, all right, we, we know that the Messiah is coming. We're, the Samaritans and the Jews have been mixing them up quite a bit, but, but we still acknowledge that the, that the Messiah is coming. All right, and he's going to tell us all things. She's really kind of feeling him out. Are you the, the Messiah? Are you the Christ? Because note how she's putting two and two together. Mm-hmm. Nicodemus, oh, you must be a great teacher. No, no, she's putting, this, this, this could be the Christ. And in Greek, all right, I'm going to read you Greek out loud. Okay. And, See how much I retain Jesus, here. And Jesus said to her, Ego emi, holilon su. I am. That's that's the easy one. Ego emi. <laughs> he, well, that, that's the one I wanted. He drops an I am. Nice. Now, now, why is that such a big thing? It's the I think it's the first of the I am's that we get in John. We're going to get them all the time. It may be, yeah. Uh, well, there's there's a whole lecture I could probably give on that. It's at least half an hour long. But the short version is back in Exodus 3.15, that's what God called himself by. I am that I am, right? That, yeah, and this is one of the things that comes up. In in Hebrew, you would never say I am. In fact, you just it's never said because it's God's name. Mm-hmm. That That's what God's name, if you were to translate it, is literally I am. So so when he says I am who I am, that, that, that's the declaration of his name. And so when Jesus suddenly says I am, it's not just I'm him. It, it, no, he's saying I am. I am the one who's speaking. I am. He who speaks to you. So so it is that utter declaration of his divinity and that he is the Christ. Boom. Just out in the open. Wham. There you are. And and, and who's the who's the first one that he actually speaks it directly to? A Samaritan woman. A Samaritan. And what type of Samaritan woman? The type who draws water at midday. <laughs> the hussy who's shacking up with a dude. Right. And keep in mind, I mean, yeah, you you have some old people who will do the finger wagging. This it, it's common for all the the messing around early now. You didn't do that in the ancient world. That would get you stoned in a lot of places. There's a reason she's going at midday because if she goes when too uh, too many people are around, there might be rocks tossed at her. All right, I got you. And this is the one Jesus. Yeah, I'm the Christ. I am. I'm God. Hi. Hi. 
Now, now remember, go get your go get the, the the dudes you're shacking up with and bring them over here to me. All right. <laughs> I mean, do you see how just just mind boggling? This this is not the way you'd think it would happen. No, but, you'd, you'd no, figure no. it's with pomp and circumstance. He would announce it from the Temple Mount to a gathering crowd of his admirers or something like that. In 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 the other gospels, they all recount the tale of of. Jesus walking with the disciples. Who do people say that I am? Some say Moses. Some say Elijah. One of the prophets. Maybe John the Baptist. Who do you say that I am? And Peter says, "You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God." And Jesus says, "Blessed are you, Simon, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven." And then you had this side, the, this other story here in John, like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> I Gala, I, yeah, I, I am God, I am the Christ, and and I reveal this to you directly. And then what happens next? Read verse twenty-seven because this is kind of funny. Just then, his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, "What do you seek?" or "Why are you talking with her?" The disciples missed the whole conversation. So I mean, he just, oh yes, yes, I, I am indeed God, and I am the Christ. And then the disciples come walking back. So this whole thing has been aside that the disciples aren't really it on. Meanwhile, the disciple. <laughs> so, so if you want to think about it, she gets the high, high, wondrous mysteries about about the future of worship in the church and and who Jesus is. And then the disciples come tottering on back and and oh. Well, they, they they didn't want to ask. Well, no, let's let's not bother him because I mean, surely he's up to something. And then, if you would just finish uh, through thirty, okay. Eh. So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, "Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ?" They went out of the town and were continuing and were coming to him. So basically, the disciples show up. The gal hightails it out, and she goes. Everyone come and see, because this dude, woo, get alone. All right. Great. All right. Awesome. We will pause here, come back on the other side for the Inquisition, and more in the Gospel of John after that. begins the Inquisition! The Inquisition! What a show! The Inquisition! Here we go! We know you're wishing that we'd go away! But the Inquisition's here and it's here to stay! Oh boy! The Inquisition! This time, on a very special episode of the Inquisition, we tackle tough issues. And we make fun of each other while doing it. All right, we're to that part of the show called the Inquisition where, where we put each other to the test. Unless you all want to send in messages, leave Facebook comments, what have you, call us up on Twitter, what have you. That was really technical sounding. We'll answer your questions, but if we don't get questions, we'll ask stuff of each other. So... Thomas, yes, I'm asking first. Okay, Ooh, you just you like heard that goes. one. All right, all right. <laughs> on this very special episode. All right, with the woman at the well. Yeah. The big thing that that the oh you're you're not married. You actually have a. You're right in saying you have no husband. You've had five, and the one you're with now isn't your husband either. Talking about adultery. Right now, 
here's my 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 thing. We're living in a world where sex is treated as just an offhanded. It's just sex. It's just for fun. Go ahead and go knock yourselves out, kids. Have fun. How should a Christian deal with living in that type of world and how, how to navigate that type of stuff? How, how do you respond when, when your classmates are, eh, eh, go have fun, knock yourself out type of approach? This... What should we remember about, about sex? Okay, fair point. So the first thing I would say, it would harken back to a previous episode we did where Jesus called himself the temple, right? And we're Christians. Jesus abides with us. We're called the temple of God as well. And if our body is a temple, why treat it like a temple of prostitution to some pagan God? I'm just going to start with that. Well, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So the, the logic is there throughout scripture as far as why sexual purity is important. I mean, both both in a spiritual sense, and then you also get some level of, of it in a more practical sense as well, especially in the Levitical text and things like that. It might not delve into it as much as our scientific modernized brains would like, but there's a reason why you don't sleep with your sister or another relative like that, because the offspring can be, you know, yeah. genetically yeah. maladapted, things like that. So over and over script... <laughs> You're just laughing. I think you're laughing because you posed the question in the first place and you just enjoy seeing me sweat over here. That too, that too. My, my point is, Scripture makes it abundantly clear that there's sexual standards for spiritual and even just common sense reasons. When dealing with people in this world who have sexual morality all screwed up, because for whatever reason, whether they were raised that way or what, whatever the case may be, um, I don't know, I find it useful if, if the subject has to be entered in at all because let's face it, in our age, sometimes you pick your battles, and that might not be the first one to jump in at. Oh, you're sleeping with your girlfriend? Oh my gosh, you know. Um, but when the subject is brought to you, say from a friend, a friend confesses to you that he has been fooling around on the side with his girlfriend or something like that, I would give Paul's admonition to restore them in a spirit of gentleness. I've, I've been there myself. Um, I was actually in college at the time. And had to have one of those hard conversations that I really did not want to have and almost didn't because that's a hard thing mm-hmm. when somebody confesses that to you. And it, it ends up being a situation where if you're really friends, get down on their level. Um, I, I believe I went to a, a text in Romans to make my point, um, again, with gentleness and respect, just that uh, one who is a professing Christian has no business doing that kind of thing so i hope i'm kind of coming at the point or the question you were asking a little bit in some ways but my my simple quick thought and and this was my my touch point almost in my the way i phrased sex is a great and wonderful gift i mean when you think about it the the sixth command is all about protecting god's gift of sex and family and all that yeah and and what is if you take that great gift and go "Ah, it's just sex I mean, think about, what if we were doing that with the fifth commandment? And, and oh, well, I shot some, ah, oh, that's just a dude. There's plenty of them. I, <laughs> right. We'd be, that, that's kind of revolting. Well, why are we, why would we do that with the fifth commandment, but, but not the sixth? I mean, that's this fair. is an awesome, your body is a great gift. Treat it like it's a great gift. So, all right. There I like go. that. That was more I succinctly meant, said than mine. I meant y'all all together. That wasn't like an awkward moment between Thomas and I. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm off to comb my hair. All right. (laughs) Did did, did you like my... Now, now, many of you are probably too young to remember this, but there used to be things called after-school specials. Where, where they would have like happy little moral lessons and stuff like that. And whenever one was going to be about anything involving sex, this time on a very special episode. Of, <laughs> I, so, yeah. That, it, uh, Before my yeah, time as well, told. I guess. All right. Mm. All right. What you got, Thomas? Do your worst. Okay. Ooh, so, I didn't say that after this one. <laughs> I should have come up with something better after this. I'll get you <laughs> next time. My question is, when you were uh, – entering into a, you know, talk with somebody about marriage in terms of, yeah, I'm going to marry you at my church. And we're, we're recording this on Sunday. You actually did this yesterday, a marriage ceremony, from what I understand. Oh, okay, okay. Like perform the marriage service as opposed yes. to, hey, I should get married to this gal. All no, right. no. Right. Perform so you're actually, okay. somebody has approached you to officiate their wedding. That's how I'll put it. What are the, I'll use the term stipulations, although that's probably not a great term, that you would ask of somebody bring that request to you for you to marry them in a good old school church wedding. So for instance, would one of the stipulations be that both uh, partners not be of the same gender and what others might offer or present themselves? Right, right. Yeah. Marriage is for a guy and a gal. I'd want at least one of them to be a member of the church. Cause I mean, frankly, I I don't want to just do like drive by chapel wedding type stuff. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah. There should be a reason why you want to have it here at the church, because if you do a wedding at the church, it, it's a worship service. The primary point of a, a wedding in the church is not to say, oh, look, here comes the bride. It's here to say, look at how great and awesome Christ Jesus our Lord is, who, who loves his bride, the church. And so if you don't want things to be about Jesus Christ and his love for, for y'all, and then why are you doing it in the church? And again, I expect there to be a good, chaste, and decent moral life. And so, yeah, no, no, I don't want you to be living together. Now, what I will do is if a couple does come up and they have been living together, I tell them, go down to the Justice of the Peace, go to the courthouse now, and just get married now. Mm-hmm. We can do a service to celebrate your your the fact that God has joined you together when, whenever we want, whenever it's convenient. But, but married now, because, I mean, you're not getting all the legal benefits and you're— if you're living together, you're married. Note how Jesus says that. He doesn't, Jesus doesn't say, you've slept around with five men. He says, no, you've had five husbands. I mean, uh-huh. the, okay, what, the, the, they shall leave father and mother, and the two shall become one flesh. That, that's not just metaphysical, nicely nice talk. No, <laughs> he's talking about sex. Yeah. So, so again, and what, what comes from sex, at least as God has set it up, this is why... Adam and Steve doesn't work. First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes Rebecca, Thomas's wife, with a baby carriage, as you all heard at the beginning of the show. Right. So, I mean, I mean, this is that that thing that comes together. We're dealing with that great sense of order, and so yeah, if we're if we're celebrating God's gifts, then we can celebrate. God's. Let's get our ducks in a row, and then go on and have a good time. Sounds good. And keep proper decorum. No, you don't get to have a dog walk down the aisle or anything like that. <laughs> it's a worship service. So yeah, well, if you if it's something good to give thanks to God for, then we can give good thanks to God for it. So sounds good. All right. Well, with a minute and a half left, what should we say about the uh, this last little bit? All right. Let, let, let's just encapsulate again what we've done today. What you saw, what we saw today, was a, a great little bit of back and forth between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. 
And and note, while she's not just simply nodding her head and smiling, I mean, she's given good as she gets. She she's she's taking some shots at Jesus and being a Jew and all that good stuff. And and but Jesus keeps revealing more and more to her. And so you get this great contrast, I really do think, between Nicodemus, who comes to Jesus, I'm the great guy, da-da-da-da-da, and just gives Jesus a terrible hard time in conversing. Whereas the Samaritan woman, who, who knows she's kind of low, and she'll, she'll keep her back up and chin up, and she'll put, up, put a bit of a fight, but Jesus treats her fantastically. So it's a great just reminder of, of God's profound love, even for the ones we wouldn't expect. Sounds so. fair. Excellent. All right. All right. Well, we will uh, see you guys on the other side next episode next week. By the way, we've got a Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash gospel to boldly. Of course, go like the higher things Facebook page and uh, shoot a tweet with a question to the Inquisition to uh, at no hashtag. Never figure out how Twitter works. Hashtag gospel bold and we'll uh, address it in subsequent right. episodes. We're so old and uncool. <laughs> it's okay. Jesus still loves us. And he loves y'all too, guys. Take care. <sighs>